Section 8 of Our Street. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Street by William Makepeace Thackeray. The Man in Possession. For another misfortune which occurred in Our Street, we were much more compassionate. We liked Danby Dixon and his wife Fanny Dixon still more. Miss C. had a paper of biscuits and a box of preserved apricots, always in the cupboard, ready for Dixon's children. Provisions, by the way, which she locked up under Mrs. Camasol's nose, so that our landlady could by no possibility lay a hand on them. Dixon and his wife had the neatest little house possible, number 16, opposite 96, and were liked and respected by the whole street, he was called Dandy Dixon when he was in the Dragoons, and was a lightweight, and rather famous as a gentleman rider. On his marriage, he sold out and got fat, and was indeed a florid, contented, and jovial gentleman. His little wife was charming, to see her in pink, with some miniature Dixons in pink too, round about her, or in that beautiful grey dress with the deep black lace flounces, which she wore at my Lord Commandine's on the night of the private theatricals, would have done any man good. To hear her sing any of my little ballads, Knowst Thou the Willow Tree, for instance, or The Rose Upon My Balcony, or The Humming of the Honey Bee, far superior, in my judgment, and in that of some good judges, likewise, to that humbug Clarence Bulbul's ballads, to hear her, I say, sing these, was to be in a sort of small Elysium. Dear, dear little Fanny Dixon, she was like a little chirping bird of paradise. It was a shame that storms should ever ruffle such a tender plumage. Well, never mind about sentiment. Danby Dixon, the owner of this little treasure, an ex-captain of dragoons, and having nothing to do, and a small income, wisely thought he would employ his spare time and increase his revenue. He became a director of the Cornaro Life Insurance Company, of the Tregolfo Tin Mines, and of four or five railroad companies. It was amusing to see him swaggering about the city in his clinking boots and with his high and mighty dragoon manners. For a time... His talk about chairs after dinner was perfectly intolerable, and I for one was always glad to leave him in the company of sundry, very dubious capitalists who frequented his house, and walk up to hear Mrs. Fanny warbling at the piano, with her little children about her knees. It was only last season that they set up a carriage, the modestest little vehicle conceivable, driven by Kirby, who had been in Dixon's troop in the regiment, and had followed him into private life as coachman, footman, and page. One day lately I went into Dixon's house, hearing that some calamities had befallen him, the particulars of which Miss Clapperclaw was desirous to know. The creditors of the Trigolfo mines had got a verdict against him as one of the directors of that company. The engineer of the little Diddlesex Junction had sued him for 2,300 pounds, the charges of that scientific man for six weeks' labor in surveying the line. His brother directors were to be discovered nowhere. Wyndham, Dodgen, Mislington, and the rest were all gone, long ago. 
When I entered, the door was open. There was a smell of smoke in the dining room, where a gentleman at noonday was seated with a pipe and a pot of beer. A man in possession, indeed, in that comfortable, pretty parlor, by that snug round table where I have so often seen Fanny Dixon's smiling face. Kirby, the extragoon, was scowling at the fellow, who lay upon a little settee reading the newspaper, with an evident desire to kill him. Mrs. Kirby, his wife, held little Danby, poor Dixon's son and heir. Dixon's portrait smiled over the sideboard still, and his wife was upstairs in an agony of fear with the poor little daughters of this bankrupt, broken family. This poor soul had actually come down and paid a visit to the man in possession. She had sent wine and dinner to the gentleman downstairs, as she called him in her terror. She had tried to move his heart by representing to him how innocent Captain Dixon was, and how he had always paid, always remained at home when everybody else had fled. As if her tears and simple tales and entreaties could move that man in possession out of the house, or induce him to pay the costs of the action which her husband had lost. Danby, meanwhile, was in Boulogne, sickening after his wife and children. They sold everything in his house, all his smart furniture and neat little stock of plate, his wardrobe and his linen, the property of a gentleman gone abroad, his carriage by the best maker, and his wine selected without regard to expense. His house was shut up as completely as his opposite neighbor's, and a new tenant is just having it fresh-painted inside and out, as if poor Dixon had left an infection behind. Kirby and his wife went across the water with the children and Mrs. Fanny. She has a small settlement, and I am bound to say that our mutual friend, Miss Elizabeth C., went down with Mrs. Dixon in the fly to the tower stairs, and stopped in Lombard Street by the way. So, it is that the world wags, that honest men and knaves alike are always having ups and downs of fortune, and that we are perpetually changing tenants in our street. End of section 8